Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Tuesday night after the Memphis Grizzlies just tied a summer league record for points in a game, scoring 120 points. It was an absolute masterclass from Santi Aldama and, and gang. So that was super fun. Uh, they got the uh, finale on Thursday afternoon against the Boston Celtics. Don't miss out. Summer League Hoops has been fun. Uh, I'm still catching up on, on Summer League Hoops after vacation, but we've got an exciting show. One that we've been kind of trying to put together for the uh, past couple of weeks now, but just finally able to line up our schedules and stuff. But it's going to be a good one. But first, before I introduce our guest, let me tell you how you can get in touch with the show and with the blog. So the Grizzly Bear Blues Live podcast is the flagship podcast of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside the Starting Five podcast and a new podcast that we're going to be interviewing for over the next week or so. So um, you can email your resume over to me at parkerfleming15 at gmail.com. And we will have a third podcast, a third weekly podcast. So we're excited about that. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog on SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is another uh, former GB beer. He's another example of a former GB beer that's gone on to do uh, bigger and greater things. He, he owns a really great Patreon page that you should be subscribing to. It's Matt Herlicka. Matt. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm good, Parker. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So the offseason for the Grizzlies has been pretty quiet. I mean, not a whole lot of flash. I mean, obviously, the draft picks, they brought in four draft picks. We've talked about those four draft picks at nauseum. They've been playing in summer league. I don't think there's much else that needs to be said about the rookies at this time. Uh, they signed, re-signed Tyus Jones to a two-year, $30 million contract. They got John Morant's five-year max extension. No player option either. That's big if uh, people haven't picked up on that. Um, I know over at the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, Tim McMahon, Tim Bontemps of ESPN, they they all kind of outlined the difference between the John Morant extensions and then Jason Tatum's, Donovan Mitchell's, Luka Doncic, all that. So right there. And then the other move they made was a surprise extension for John Conchar for three years, $19 million. But aside from that, pretty quiet. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies' rather quiet offseason? I mean, it, like, they don't – it's one of those things that kind of I find funny where, like, you know, we're all like, well, where's the free agency signing? Why aren't the Grizzlies signing this guy? The Grizzlies haven't made a free agent acquisition – since 2019, when they signed Tyus Jones and Marco <laughs> Guterich. Like, why are we flipping out over here? Yeah, I'm not one for flipping out. But, uh, you know, the, the John Conchar extension until the year 2027 doesn't get your blood boiling. I mean, you know, this is some big stuff going on. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it free agency is an unlikely path. It is a path. Uh, they can, you know, they can, somebody eventually will sign a free agent contract, uh, you know, in Memphis of some consequence, um, and it won't be Chandler Parsons, it'll be somebody good eventually. Uh, but it looks like this wasn't the year. Um, it looks like they're going to be operating over the cap. Um, 
And, you know, it's, uh, it seems like to me, I was trying to think of a metaphor, like a way to describe, like, because it seems like nothing's happening and, and really nothing is happening. But it was like, I mean, you don't have kids, but, you know, if you go on a family trip and the kids are always like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you try to explain to them, like, the increments, how many increments, like, oh, no, we're, we're, we're uh, 100 miles away or 50 miles away or whatever. Uh, but it doesn't matter to them because all they care about is, are we there yet? That's like the only decision. It goes from like zero to a hundred. And that's kind of where the off season is like across the entire league, because basically everybody can't do anything until the Kevin Durant situation gets resolved. It just seems like that coupled with Kyrie coupled with, you know, it seems like even DeAndre Ayton is just sitting out there waiting for somebody to decide, you know, yes, we will trade a bunch of stuff for Kevin Durant. And maybe that thing is, uh, maybe the movement there is just that Donovan Mitchell, it just was reported, like, it seems like Utah is open to trading him now. Um, but, you know, wrapping that back around on the Grizzlies, like, I don't know if it is necessarily a quote-unquote bad sign that they haven't done anything yet, because I think the entire league is just like, what is going on with Kevin Durant? And that's all that matters. Exactly. You know, I, I was just, I was talking with somebody earlier this week and they brought up a good point. Like, you know, I know I've seen the reporting. Uh, I, I can never remember if it's like from the athletic or ESPN or the ringer, but basically someone said teams are calling about OG and Anobi and they're not really entertaining them. And Putting two and two together, Zach Kleiman said they're making calls instead of, and that's kind of, kind of a big, bigish kind of thing. Instead of you know, it shows that they're trying to do something. But as you said, the KD trade's kind of lingering around. And for the example of OG and Anobi, like, why would the Raptors sell off on OG and Anobi when they can use OG and Anobi to go get Kevin Durant? Like, it's kind of one of those things right now. It's like for an asset that could actually you know, actually make an impact towards your playoff positioning, your title chances. Teams are also holding on to that asset because they see that as a ticket to go get Kevin Durant. That's kind of how I see things yep. right now. I mean, even a team that's kind of like obviously rebuilding. Well, two teams, really. San Antonio. They may trade Yaka Pertle. They may trade like one of their young vets. They're not doing anything until they know, okay, we can extract more of a price facilitating a Kevin Durant trade. Uh, Utah, probably going to trade whichever Bogdanovich they have on the roster, but they're not doing anything if that might facilitate a Kevin Durant trade. You know, I mean, it's just everybody's kind of sitting there and waiting. And so, you know, I saw your uh, question of the day, not to get too far ahead, but like, I don't think that necessarily just because, you know, nothing has happened, quote unquote, since, you know, the start of free agency and uh, in draft night, like, I don't necessarily think that's like a, a death knell for the Grizzlies doing something significant, because like, if you look at their roster, I keep, I've, I've mentioned this uh, at least twice in my Patreon, but you look at their wings and it's like Dylan Brooks and John Conchar and nobody else has more than one year of NBA experience. It's, it's just, it's wild. And that may be the plan going into the season. And I, I would personally be okay with that plan because uh, 
like I'm okay with them not necessarily being the number two seed again, but but you go into that into the season with that roster and you're kind of saying we're still building for the long term and we're okay with possibly like not not building on what happened last year, you know, building for the long term as opposed to like taking the next step, quote unquote. Yeah. And obviously too, I think the Jaron Jackson uh, injury kind of changes the calculus of things mm. just a bit, but also I think people kind of lose sight that the Grizzlies, they were the number two seed after starting nine and 10 through black Friday. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those scenes mm-hmm. they dominated from, from start to close. Like they started slow and they were able to turn things out. Once things started to get rolling, I kind of anticipate a little bit of the same thing this year. I don't think it'd be, quite as drastic as we saw this past season where the Grizzlies were literally the worst defense in the league for the first month of the season. But I think it's going to get tough, but it's one of those things like, you know, what moves are out there at this point? Like, you know, we touch on free agency here and there. It's like, Oh, it's nice to sign this guy. Nice to sign that guy. The team obviously does not see free agency for them as much of a needle mover. It's all about trades. And when you're mm-hmm. looking at trade assets, I, I wrote about this guy last week. It all kind of starts with Danny Green. Uh, they pushed back his mm-hmm. guarantee trigger to January 10th, um, up from or back from like J- July 3rd. So obviously gives them more wiggle room for that, especially as these uh, KD trades keep going around. Like I see the Grizzlies as a team that can use Danny Green to facilitate that because the team getting KD, they could afford to wait for Danny Green. And they're also going to appreciate Dean mm-hmm. Green a lot more than other teams. But also, too, they had like everybody's, you know, buzzing on Twitter because it's like, oh, Danny Green was spotted sitting next to John Morant, Tyus Jones, and Taylor Jenkins. Like, should we take much stock into that? How much do you see him as a trade asset? Do you really care? Are you really moved either way if he's on the roster or not on opening night? Where do you kind of stand on a Danny Green front? Yeah, well, them moving his guarantee back to literally as late as they possibly could into the season kind of signals like they're probably bringing him into the year. And I mean, in a KD trade situation where, you know, a team might need a 10 million expiring, that that potential still there. You're not closing that door, but it signals their willingness um, to bring him into the year and at least have because he's the mid-sized contract that isn't connected to a player you're counting on, you know? Like, if you want to do an OG and OB trade, you're going to have to trade. If you didn't have Danny Green on the books, you would have to trade Dylan, uh, Dylan Brooks or Stephen mm-hmm. Adams. And so if you want to trade Stephen Adams, you have to – the Raptors have to want Stephen Adams. And the Raptors won't have to want Dylan Brooks because that's the value you're giving up. Whereas Danny Green's just – he's just a number – like, he literally cannot play basketball until probably, like, what, December or even later, I think. I think it's, like, um, February or March. February or March, yeah. Okay. So, like, he literally is just a number sitting on uh, a spreadsheet until the point where he can actually sit on the basketball court. So, you know, having that mid-sized contract bringing into the season, like, I, I still would – I don't know if I'd bet money, but I would just say, like, if the Grizzlies don't do anything in the offseason, that contract being on their books paired with some other stuff could get something done pretty big. And it does take two to tango. So you got to kind of wait for the deal to shake loose and, and having that deal. Like, it's, a, it's in a better position than even 
having it attached to Melton. Um, because like before, when they had Melton, the other team has to want Melton because Melton is good and you're giving up value. So he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not perfectly liquid like the dating green, green contract is. And then you have the added bonus that he still is only guaranteed what, like $7 million? That's six or seven million dollars, yeah. Yeah, so they can bump that up anywhere between where it is now, seven million, six million, wherever, 6.9, all the way up to 10. They don't, they can only, they only have to guarantee as much as possible. So it even gives them a little bit more flexibility just to kind of like, like if they wanted to trade for a $10 million contract, they would only have to guarantee it up to like seven and a half million. And Danny Green makes an extra 600,000 over what he's doing now, just just for letting himself stay on the roster. Um, So it's a win for him too. Right. I kind of look at the Danny Green thing if they do trade him as there's two, I, I wrote about this, two criteria of teams. It's one, who's going to be more interested with the capital coming, the, tr- the draft capital coming in. And you know, that could even include opening up another roster spot by adding Xavier Tillman into the deal. I, I identified mm-hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, Utah Jazz, San Antonio Spurs as teams that could probably help with that. Uh, I know both you and Chris Harrington has mentioned um, Malik Beasley as a potential yep. target. Sure. I personally think that his, him and his agent are like, keep me in Utah. Let me run these stats up. And I think he already came out and said he wants to realize his all-star <laughs> potential there. Like that might be a spot for him, but you know, I talked about Jordan Clarkson who would be fine. I don't think he fits the Grizzlies MO, but could you potentially yeah. do Janie green, uh, Xavier Tillman, if you need to, in a second round pick and go get Josh Richardson. And then Danny Green, someone who's very familiar and has a good relationship with that San Antonio Spurs organization, negotiate some sort of a buyout or a wave to where he can go sign with the, you know, he can go sign with a contending team, maybe the Warriors to go rejoin LeBron, go wherever KD's going, do something like that's Mm -hmm. on the table. But also, too, you know, Chris Harrington wrote about this uh, in his column this week. He's a good vet to have around. Like, this isn't a situation like sure. Andre Iguodala, where he doesn't want to be there. And no longer, you know, the Grizzlies have brought in. And the reason why we talk about Danny Green in this way as a trade asset is because that's how the Grizzlies have used these guys since Zach Kleiman's taken over. Andre Iguodala, Dion mm-hmm. Waiters, um, Dwight Howard. Guys like that, he he trades them. He doesn't keep them. He usually waves them or trades them. I mean, oh yeah, Eric Bledsoe, Rajon Rondo, yeah, the list goes on <laughs> and on. Rondo, yeah, you could, you could build like an yeah. ultimate two K two K twelve team out of out of the guys that Zach Kleiman has waved. <laughs> but Danny Green, I think if anything, that whole summer league thing highlights the fact that a he does want to be there. And I think that's a situation that's different from past situations is the Grizzlies are technically a contender too. Danny Green sees himself as a veteran that can help them. And he wants to be there. And it kind of shows that there's kind of mutual interest to an extent that the two parties might be together on opening night, 2022. But that's kind of where I stand. I think he's a valuable vet to have in the locker room. He's, been on he's won what four rings he's played on three different championship teams he's played with all these stars he 
he'd be a, like the Grizzlies don't have a veteran voice really aside from Steven Adams and now Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks. Why not add, why not add Danny green into that mix? Yeah. I mean, you raise a good point. And I think the three line is like the guys, the vets who are comfortable in a role are brought into the season. And the ones who are like Rondo and like, I mean, Iguodal is just, they just made him stay home. But the guys that come in are guys like Danny Green, guys like Steven Adams, who know what they are and are comfortable facilitating a role. And I guess the only reason I think, the only reason I say he's, he's, he's just a, because I, I don't know, you're able to cover the team. You know, you're able to talk to these guys on Zoom. I don't do any of that because I'm just not good at it. I don't, I, and so I tend to discount the like soft factors of locker room stuff because I don't, I don't think that it doesn't exist. I just say that's outside of my purview. So I don't like, I don't count on that stuff because I would literally just be like throwing stuff up against the wall. You know what I mean? So my tendency is to say, is to look at everything without considering that stuff, but you're a hundred percent right. Like Danny Green's a good guy. He's been in the league for forever. He's played on winning teams. Like, and, and it benefits him. You know, the incentives align for him. He can only make more money with the Grizzlies or letting them use his contract to facilitate a trade. You know, so the incentives are in line for him to play ball and to be a good guy. And like the Grizzlies have shown, like for instance, with Gorgie Jane a couple of years ago, nothing ever came, you know, they were moving in younger guys, taking more and more of his playing time. And Nothing, nothing came about as a trade. So they waived him and let him sign. I think he signed for a couple million dollars with like San Antonio right after that or something, who was mm-hmm. like in direct competition with the Grizzlies for a playing spot. And the Grizzlies let him go because clearly that was like outlined beforehand. Like, we're going to use your contract if we can. If we can't, you know, you want to leave, that's fine with us. We're good. We have other guys. And I think that that's the case with Danny Green too. Like if they, if nothing would ever come of it, and he says, you know what, it's time. And he wants to go play for the Lakers again. Like, I think that they would probably let him go. Um, you know, hopefully he comes back and he can actually play. And and if they can't use his contract, he plays for the Grizzlies. Because, like I said before, we only have two wings who have more than one year of experience. We could kind of use another one. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And my, my kind of stance on it too is, you know, like I, like I said, I think that the calculus changes with Jaron Jackson Jr. missing at least until Thanksgiving, more than likely of the season. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be between Halloween and Christmas. Uh, so Thanksgiving's a sweet spot. Danny Green's already out until pretty much into 2023. I don't think, like, I don't think you can count on him to play until past the trade deadline or past the mm-hmm. all-star break. And then you also, too, at the end of the bench on a small guaranteed deal, you have Killian Tilly. He just can't stay healthy. I mean, I think it's kind of a sign that he can't stay healthy if he's not playing in summer league when he, frankly, should be playing summer league. So, I mean, is is that just too many kind of penciled in guys on the injury report to have on the roster? I mean, I kind of see it as like, okay, if anything, how about you cut Killian Tilly? keep Danny green and then maybe make a small trade for someone else or make us makes a, 
a small signing. I don't know. That's kind of how I'm looking at things with when it comes to whether or not you keep or trade Danny Green. Yeah. Um, Tilly seems to be the one that is probably going to be, if they have to move somebody to cut, you know, a roster spot, like he seems to be the one that is out in the cold. Um, and you mentioned Tillman earlier. I think you're, I think you're, uh, I think you're right there where he probably would benefit from a trade and probably has a little bit of trade value. Um, I don't, I just don't know where the team stands on Tillman because, you know, like he doesn't play at all last year practically. And then randomly he's, he's like starting playoff games and he actually played really well in, in one and like saved that, turned that series around. Um, but then kind of like regressed again. And I just don't know where the team, like I, I have a hard time thinking Tillman's going to get his next deal with the Grizzlies. Um, so he's another one that could just be, you know, um, I mean, they have the Brandon Clark extension talks coming up. There's just a lot of, as, as, as set as this team is, there's a lot of like little things like the window is just uh, kind of closing on some of these guys where you're like, I don't know if he's going to be here long-term. I don't know if, if uh, like the, the Brandon Clark thing goes sideways and he wants a ton of money and maybe they think, okay, well, Danny Green plus Brandon Clark, what can we get? You know, because I mean, Dylan Brooks is another one. Dylan Brooks is entering last year of his deal. Dylan Brooks wants $20 million a year. I guarantee you they're going to be looking at Dylan Brooks plus Danny Green, you know, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, like, sorry, I, I, I'm like going, taking a long way for this, but in a lot of ways, my, my intuition about like there being a big move out there is, is one looking at the roster and seeing we don't have enough like veteran wings or guys who can, you know, that aren't on the first year of their deal. Um, another part of it though, is that I don't know if they're going to be paying Dylan Brooks' best contract. Like, it just doesn't seem like – I wrote a ton about Dylan Brooks this offseason, and I love the guy. I think he's a great player. I think I love – I he drives me insane watching him shoot some of the shots he does, and I just I just don't know if he's a $20 million player, and I don't know – I just don't see him signing his extension, um, you know, the max extension they can give him. I think he, I think he just wants to go to free agency is my guess. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't even know if I answered your question. I just got off on the tangent and I started going. <laughs> no, it's 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 all good. No, because I mean, I was actually just talking uh, with one of my uh, good friends, Connor Dunning of 92.9 earlier. The Grizzlies and yeah. Dylan Brooks aren't going to, are likely not going to agree to an extension since the most he can get is $61 million over four years. And right. frankly, Dylan Brooks shouldn't be interested in that sort of deal either. I think he's a guy that can come. Exactly. Like, I think he can command a pretty penny. I mean, we saw it was like Tim Hardaway. He's gotten four and 70 Norman Powell got granted. He got the fifth year mm-hmm. and maybe his agents like, Hey, get, let's get somewhere where we can get a fifth year and get the same money that Norman Powell and Duncan Robinson are getting. Dylan Brooks is right. a guy that can get that kind of money. And that that's a, that's definitely something to keep an eye on out there. Like I, and when it comes to, you know, Danny Green trades, I said, you know, if the Grizzlies want to help facilitate some sort of uh, three-team trade or whatever with Kevin Durant, the Grizzlies could throw in Danny Green, send him to Phoenix, uh, send Dylan Brooks and the Warriors 2024 pick to Brooklyn for Brooklyn. They get a 
a wing on expiring deal. They have cost control on him, and they also get an extra first-round pick. And the Grizzlies go nab up Mikhail Bridges from Phoenix. That would be that'd be the dream, to be honest. That would yeah. be the absolute dream. But it's a very interesting dilemma because, you know, everyone's like, oh, they got to do something. There's a move. And you're like, okay, but is there? Because, I mean, the team is basically <laughs> you have you have your core. They're not getting traded. You have the guys who just drafted as well as your guys like Santi Aldama, who probably aren't going to get traded unless they're just randomly thrown into a trade. Um, Xavier Tillman, he's kind of the closest thing to a shirt fire to get traded. And then you have your maybes if the right deal comes along when it comes to Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, and Zaire Williams. There just isn't a whole lot to do right now. And I don't know if they're willing to pay like what Minnesota paid to go get Rudy Gobert. I'm not sure they're willing to mortgage that much draft capital. If they wanted to throw in the Warriors 2024 first and maybe their own lottery protected 2025. Sure. Yeah. Something like that, but I just don't know what there is right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you raised some interesting points. Um, I mean, I, I can almost assure you they're not going to be throwing in that much draft cap. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rudy Gobert, which, like, not to spoil something I'm trying to write, uh, but I, I kind of like the Rudy Gobert deal for Minnesota. I, I, the price is insane. It's insane. Mm-hmm. But, like, looking at their team, I really, I, I really, I think there's some interesting stuff going on there. Um, and I plan to write about it. But um, I'm not going to be justifying the price they paid because that's insane. Um, yeah. You know, but I don't think the Grizzlies are at a point where they're going to be paying an insane price for an upgrade. But, you know, like a Kevin Durant trade comes along and, you know, maybe they, maybe uh, what typically happens with these huge trades is that it starts chains of transactions and, you know, somebody else shakes loose. So like, you know, to get the numbers to work, Utah has to, Utah's in there and maybe, maybe Mitchell's going to uh, Brooklyn and Kevin Durant's going to Phoenix and stuff is going to Utah and Utah is like, okay, well, we need to trade Boyan Basadovich, you know, maybe then the Grizzlies, he goes to the Grizzlies or something like that. Um, I like your Mikhail Bridges idea, but I'm pretty sure, like, actually, Dylan was actually one guy I was thinking about for Phoenix because they had mm-hmm. tried to trade for him that one time in the mistake, to, you know, the Brooks mistake trade. Um, oh, they, uh, but that was more like a Cam Johnson idea. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's more likely than not at this point that just this is the team they're bringing in the season. I still, the Dylan piece of it though, by the end of the year, I just can't shake the idea that something's going to happen there. Like just bringing him, I just don't think they let Dylan get to unrestricted free agency, um, especially because I think he wants a huge payday. Just, just that's my guess on him. Um, yeah, that would be my guess. I mean, granted, I'm cool that the Grizzlies just didn't trade him for a ham sandwich like everyone else wanted to do. Like they're actually, you know, holding on to him <laughs> because he's a starting caliber wing who's a pretty damn yeah. good defensive stopper. Like. In a, in a conference where you're having a guard, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Brandon Ingram, yeah. Steph Curry, guys like that, yeah, you need a Dylan Brooks. But 
yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of tricky. As we said earlier in the show, everything's just kind of in the balance because of Kevin Durant. That's kind of the state of the NBA mm-hmm. right now. But just just a, a couple questions here to wrap things up um, before we get to the question of the day. What do you think the next move for the Grizzlies would be, or what what do you want to what do you want to see from the Grizzlies mm. uh, between now and say opening night? Transactionally. Now and opening night, um, transactionally, it would probably be the the Tillman question because I just don't like assuming nothing big happens. I just I wonder about 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 him, the player, and and where he fits on this team. Um, I mean, t- together with that, just the Brandon Clark extension, because he seems like he's just such a weird fit on a lot of teams, Like he's not center size. You kind of need a center for him. We've already seen what happens if you play him with somebody who doesn't shoot. Like, you know, Jared is kind of the guy that makes him tick. Um, and I wonder if, if they may just benefit from letting him go to restricted free agency, just because the pool of teams you know, that would really value Brandon Clark above the mid-level. Like, how many are there? I, I, there probably are a few, but do they have cap space? Are they good? Does he want to go there? Um, you know, I, so I would be looking at Hillman as far as a, like, a small move. Maybe they just trade him to a team that needs an extra big and it's, you know, assuming, like, they would be amenable to, like, some kind of extension or you know, saying like, yeah, we'll give you a shot and we'll give you some playing time, stuff like that. And then it's the Clark extension. Like, does that get done? Um, I'm kind of like just thinking of him as a $10 million player, basically. Like, you want to sign for three years and $28, $29 million, like $31 million, $32 million, somewhere around there. Um, you know, because I just don't, I just don't think he has the mid-level, above a mid-level, too many of those offers. Um, out there, those are those would be the two guys I was I was looking at. Do you, did you have anything in mind? Yeah, obviously the Clark extension. I, I think that's something to monitor up until the the deadline, and that that's when a lot of the extent, rookie extensions for those guys come. Anyways, the max guys they get their they get theirs July first. Everyone else they negotiate until the deadline. I kind of have that right. same feeling with Brandon Clark. And one thing that kind of just stuck out to me and, you know, I, I talk to people, obviously not, not really with like, not like Intel, just like media friends. and like, ah, I don't know. They may, they may uh, move on from Clark. And I'm like, why yeah. he's their undeniable, like, <laughs> undeniable fifth guy. He's in a closing rotation. And one thing that kind of stuck out to me, Matt, is just that after, after draft night, you know, Somebody asked about the the picks and the fits with Jake LaRavia and David Roddy. And he was just like, we needed more combo forwards, guys that could play both the three and the four. And he was specifically mm-hmm. talking without asking about the fit with LaRavia, Clark, and Jaron Jackson in the front court, where you have mm-hmm. LaRavia and Jackson on the perimeter with Clark rolling and how guys like Roddy and LaRavia are going to maximize Brandon Clark specifically. Now that I may not be any sort of expert or anything, but that doesn't sound like a guy who's willing to move on from that player. If that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I, yeah. hundred percent. 
Yeah, and just from a trade standpoint, man, like I, I would kind of like to see um, some sort of deal, whether I, I'm really looking at like Xavier Tillman and Killian Tilly. I really wish that some way at the end of the bench they can go get a set, 6'11 to 7-foot wild threat just for the sake of having – I think John Morant would really maximize a guy like that. Like I really wish they could have gotten a guy like Jericho Sims from New York. Uh, who's now mm-hmm. extended to be the third center behind Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, a bouncy rim runner would be nice at the end of the bench. And maybe if you wave Tilly and just go sign like a veteran wing, like a veteran, I don't know what that looks like, but maybe it's just someone closer to training camp, just a guy who's just still out on the market. Say, oh, hey, let's go get that guy. Or, hey, we have a roster spot. Let's go call, let's go call San Antonio and see if we can trade. Josh Richardson for two second round picks. Meanwhile, San Antonio, they get two second round picks and a $10 million trade exception. Sounds good to me. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's something I would like to see at least. Yeah, I think, I think I would just be aiming higher. Like for me, I'm only going to trade Tillman if it's like, okay, I can get a second round pick, you know, a decent second round pick out of this. And like, Tillman is cool with it and the other team is cool with it. And it's kind of like a, you know, you get paid to do the right thing sort of thing. I, I'm like, I'm kind of okay with them going into the season with this roster just because uh, like they're clearly going to play LaRavia like a lot. And my, my feeling about like, they need to sign another, they need to bring in another wing. is like, they need to bring in a starting like good wing, not, not, I, I am okay with them just like not signing a random dude off the scrap heap. Another name I was thinking of actually, like, and this is kind of a weird fit, but Oklahoma City has that European guy, Nisich, out there who is a point guard, but he's, he's big. And I was like, and he apparently doesn't, he wants to come to the NBA, but he doesn't want to play in Oklahoma City. And I was like, you know, if we could just throw them like Tillman and maybe two second round picks and get that guy, uh, it's kind of a weird fit because Tyus is there too, but you know, Tyus only signed for two years and like that might just be another veteran ball. They need ball handling, you know, and you're just not going to get a guy off the end of the bench who can hand him the ball unless it's like you're trading for them sort of. But, uh, yeah, yeah no. I just, I just I, I'm kind of okay with them going into this. I, they're they're just gonna be, they're just gonna play Laravia and they're probably gonna play Roddy. Uh, Roddy's the one. What do you think of Roddy? I have not watched much, much summer league, but what do you what have you thought of Roddy as far as like him, Roddy the player? It's it's hard to put you on the spot, but I just, oh no, I, it's like, all good. I have no idea what to make of this guy. See, with Laravia La and Roddy. Uh, for one, I think one thing that Roddy's going to have difficulty with is just kind of like generating separation, maybe defending on the perimeter. But one thing I noticed with him, you know, people were like, somebody pointed this out on Twitter. He, I think it was DeMichael Cole of the commercial that pointed this out. He's really good at leaking out in transition, which is something the Grizzlies like to do. And he plays hard. He cuts hard. I think he's just a guy that could come off your bench and potentially give you like six to eight quick points. Something that you're, going to be losing with without D'Anthony Melton so but I think it all boils down to the three-point shot same thing with LaRavia I 
I kind of look at LaRavia not in the same sense because this guy's a better prospect, but it's similar to Franz Wagner and how he came into summer league. Franz Wagner mm-hmm. looked horrible in summer league. <laughs> and then meanwhile, went, went on to be a first team all rookie. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to LaRavia, but I think LaRavia is a connecting piece that's going to shine in his role next to, frankly, no disrespect to the summer league, better players. Yeah. I mean, LaRavia just like six foot eight skilled guys who seem to know what to do. Like they just, they just work in the NBA now. Like I have no, I have no qualms about him eventually being good in, in some way, shape or form. I don't know how good, but like he just fits like what everybody needs. And it's Roddy really like, you know, he's, he's whatever, six foot five or six foot six, but he's built like a tank. But, like, I'm like, is he really going to be efficient enough to – because I'm just assuming he's going to have defensive problems. Is he going to – is the juice going to be worth the, worth the squeeze in playing him? Uh, and maybe it is. Like, I, I, I have no preconceptions. I just think he's going to struggle on defense. Like, he's going to be kind of a man without a home. Um, but maybe the weird, like, you know, maybe Zaire is guarding the best smaller wing and then Roddy is guarding up like on the slower of the three and the four and Bain is kind of guarding the other guy or Pius's and like it just kind of all works because of the weird like uh Zaire just seems like he um he just is really good at guarding like smaller guys like he just he just is really good at using his length so I feel like he's going to be the guy that's going to be guarding more of like the one, two better guy rather than guarding the four. And maybe Roddy is guarding the slow four or whatever. And who stands out by the three point line, um, you know, but then like, I mean, you're, you're right. If the shot doesn't go in, none of it matters. <laughs> they right. with him. So, um, but I think it's like, I worry about the shot and I worry about the defense. It's like two things. And, uh, um, but the kid is fun to root for. I mean, all the videos are pretty darn awesome. So. Oh yeah, and literally, you look at Roddy's tank tankathon profile, and all, his only negatives were free throw shooting and age. Like that was it. Like everything else, just rocks ah. rock solid. It was quite hilarious. Yeah. But yeah. Um. I obviously, I'm fine with what they're doing. Um. And I'm gonna go ahead and get into the question of the day real quick. Um, so question of the day, I am still getting used to it from running GBB, running GBB live Twitter. So if you're not already doing so follow at GBB live for all the question of the days that you will see that we run. So I want to thank the 45 people that voted on this. It's quite simple. Why is the Grizzlies off season quiet right now? One, no moves will be made. 44% said that, and 56% said something is in the dark. Matt, which one did you vote for? Where do you stand on this? I voted in the dark just because it's my biased opinion, and I thought they were going to do something big this year. So (laughs) I say I am chalking it up to KD has frozen the entire market, and eventually, you know, it really is like, it really is to me, the Dylan Brooks thing, like, I just, I don't think they're going to let him get to unrestricted free agency. 
and I just see, like, especially if we count into the season, I see that move coming to a head one way or another. Um, and that's with me, like you said earlier, he's an awesome defender. I love Dylan. I think he's awesome. It's just, it's 100%. Like, I just don't know if he's going to be worth his next contract, uh, along with like all the other guys they're going to have to pay. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm guess I voted, uh, moving, moving in the dark. That's where I fall. I think the Grizzlies will make some move in some way, form, or fashion to maybe go get the 10th or 11th guy in the rotation. And when it comes to, and when I'm saying the 10th or 11th guy in the rotation, I'm more so pointing at the second wing spot who's going to be competing with John Conchar. So that, I, I think they're going to make some sort of move to go get a guy in that regard. I don't know if it's going to be Xavier Tillman or Killian Tilly or Danny Green, plus, and with all the three of those players, draft capital will be added to it. I don't know if they're going to chime in on the Kevin. I I see them chiming in on the Kevin Durant trade, not to go get Kevin Durant, but I think they're a team that could kind of, as especially as long as this goes, this KD thing, that means the longer, if it goes longer, it's just a better matter of time for when, uh, Danny Green's contract could be aggregate, aggregated alongside other players on the books. That's p- important yeah. for the trade. So, I mean, hell, if you're talking about Danny Green and Dylan Brooks, that's $21 million right there. You could do something with that. You could yeah. go get somebody with that. So I, I think there's something in the dark. I think the fact, too, that Zach Kleiman said they are making calls rather than taking calls kind of says that they're trying, but – Everything's just so freaking messed up because of the drama in Brooklyn right now. Yeah. Yeah. At least uh, Utah might trade uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And that dropped today. Obviously, I'm very proud of Grizzlies Twitter for recognizing that Donovan Mitchell is not a good trade target because he's not. And if, <laughs> like, he's not. He's not. He's not. Like, he's an electric scorer. Yeah. I think you would boast probably the best offense, but I think you're going to give up almost just as many points with a backcourt or wing rotation with it being John Morant, Donovan Mitchell, and Desmond Bain. Or Utah may want Desmond Bain. So, who knows? So, I'm kind of on the front. A a person uh, from Grizzlies Twitter DM'd me. This was like a year ago. And he was like, Donovan Mitchell is this generation's Carmelo Anthony. And I was like, whoa, oh, my gosh, shots fired. You know, and this was, like, when Donovan Mitchell was, like, really blowing up. And it was kind of like, he was like, oh, he doesn't score. I don't like him. And then, like, that's kind of what he is. Like, he's just a scorer, uh, you know, at six foot one or whatever. And I agree with you. Like, like the Grizzlies would be a pair. They wouldn't be good enough defensively with uh, Mitchell and Ja. Like, I just don't even think they're really in the ballgame there. Yeah, no, nah, I'm not here for it. Maybe they capitalize on the rest of the fire sale. I, I, I did a heat check or temperature check trade idea about the idea of going to get uh, Patrick Beverly for about nothing. I think that would be an absolutely great timeline, <laughs> but I think it would actually be very beneficial. But uh, I'm not going to dig myself a rabbit rabbit hole there, but Matt, do you have anything else to add before we uh, conclude this show here? 
Um, not really. I mean, the one thing I will say is just uh, because because I'm me, like the John Conchar extension was really was really interesting. I wrote about it quite a bit, um, and it just it seems like you know I I have been long saying like the Grizzlies superpower. The front office superpower is like finding these low cost contributors, whether it's undrafted or late first round picks. Like, if that really is their superpower, then my thought was, oh, well, let's just churn through those guys. And so before they get on their next deal, we're trading them for a little asset here, a little asset there, and we're going and getting the next John Conchar. Well, the Grizzlies decided to find the current John Conchar for like three more de- three more years. At about six and six and a third million dollars each, which like is not a lot of money, but especially when the cap climbs, but also is like a weird bet for a team to make who is so good at drafting these guys. Like, is John Conchar just, I think it is a little bit of a sneaky departure for them to like, because we always say, like, oh, they're just playing for the long term and they're, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're solidifying their guys like they have their guys that they they want to extend and they want team control but they also like have done a pretty good job of churning through some of these guys before they get to the end of their deal like melton really the only guy they let go is kyle anderson and that was just Mm. like you know they needed him uh last year they couldn't trade him um and it, it just seemed like a little bit of a departure for this team to lock in john conchar who was like what was he like the tenth man last year? I would um, say he's about eleven. So yeah. Eleven, yeah. So it just seems like a really weird deal, and I wrote a bunch about it. And it it does seem like a sneaky departure for them to to say like, no, like this guy is the one that we're gonna be. You know, they haven't really done a deal like this. So anyway, that that was just. I think it is an interesting deal. I wrote about it, and um, and uh, I think it signals. I'm not sure what it signals, to be honest. I think I think it signals mostly that they like John Conchar, <laughs> right? Uh, which I'm fine with. I'm I'm mostly fine with it. It just it just is a weird one. It's a weird one. Yeah, you know, I was kind of looking around at it because, uh, you know, I, I'm a Conchar guy, and it still caught me by surprise. You brought up the cap spike. It could be trying to take advantage of a guy who may very well reach a little bit above that market value. I mean, guys that are pretty much like he's been a positive for them offensively and yeah. defensively, though it hasn't popped out in the stats. He's a good guy to have complement a core, especially like one that you hope to be like one with two all stars between Ja and either Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson. And he's shown that he can make catch and shoot threes. So it's like, hey, this guy might make a little bit more in his next deal. Why don't we go ahead and try to lock him up here? We have him through 2026, 2027 when Ja, Jaron, and Bain are expensive, and we also have this cap rising. I kind of, and also too, if it doesn't work out, he's a higher salary that you can now use in a big trade. Like taking a salary from what, two million, like one to two million to six million, that's kind of substantial when you're talking about one of those things. I mean, with, with that, like the Grizzlies were, I mean, for example, what kind of move they got with like a similar salary, they traded away Grayson Allen for a fringe guy who probably would have cracked the rotation in the COVID time if it wasn't for that bad ankle injury in Sam Merrill and two second-round mm-hmm. draft picks. Mm-hmm. And we know how much the Grizzlies love those second-round draft picks. 
how they've used those second-round draft picks to trade up or trade into picks for guys like Brandon Clark, Desmond Bain, and now Kennedy Chandler. It's it opens up more possibilities, in my opinion. It was yeah. caught me off guard, but I'm not gonna I'm not going to uh, go gung ho about the Grizzlies giving uh, John Carter an extension and why it might be a bad idea. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, I I think I'm I think I'm stopping short of like criticizing it. I don't think I I don't think I'm criticizing it so much as like because the weird thing about it is. Conchar, he has like, and I, I'm trying to be kind here because he is an effective player. You're 100% right. He's effective. Uh, he barely crosses like the amount of athleticism you need to be an NBA player. And I'm right. not saying that because he's white, but like he, he doesn't have any kind of wiggle whatsoever. Like he stays in, he is like the utilitarian. I am going to stay in front of my man. I am going to rebound. He does have amazing hands, Like he has one of the best, like he just if the ball is near him that ball is in his hand which is just like a brand of athleticism you don't see even in the nba that often but what i worry about is like he has two more years on this deal at two million and then he bumps up to six like you said but what if he gets hurt if he like gets even like an ankle injury or something that kind of saps like five percent of his athletic ability how 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 is that six million dollars looking now like even in a rising cap like is and the other part of it too is he literally 99% of wings of the NBA shot more than John Carnchard did last year. Like he literally does not shoot. When he shoots, it does go in. And so my my wondering out loud was kind of like, is he is this like a way to kind of signal to him like you belong in the NBA? We are committed to you. We have put dollars in your pocket. Now go and be part of the team and actually shoot some more. Because if he if he does shoot like forty percent from three on even a few more attempts, then this deal is probably worth it. But mm-hmm. if he's going to be having a usage rate of like eight percent for the rest of his career, this deal is not worth it. <laughs> like in my opinion, I totally. Uh, so I think that. it is like a fascinating, a fascinating long term uh, deal. And I, I I get your argument too. Like I see what you're saying. I just don't know which way it's going to break. Uh, and I'm not saying like oh it's definitely going to break the way I'm saying, like, I think it's just a kind of a, it's a weird bet to place for them, you know? So anyway, that's a John Conchar hour on oh, uh, yeah. TV live. We are always <laughs> here. We are always here for John Conchar hour. I'll call up Brandon Abraham real quick. and We'll make sure this lasts on for another hour. But no, <laughs> I, I understand the sentiments. Yeah, I wrote about it as well. And I said that, I mean, he's, he's at the lead for being the Melton replacement. Uh, I don't know what that means for in terms of responsibilities. I think Zaire Williams is going to take more of that playmaking role that Melton had, the, the secondary stuff. But with Conchar, can he just shoot three threes a game instead of 1.8? And could he get back to that level? Like I want to say his sophomore year, he had a steal percentage that ranked in the 98th percentile. And then last year, he was in the 80th percentile in block percentage. Could he get a happy medium where he's – generating some of those stocks that you're now losing without D'Anthony Melton and also without Kyle Anderson as well. Yeah. So that's kind of where I stand on yeah. the Conchar extension. Yeah, I like it. I see your point. Absolutely. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Glad we finally got to do it. Um, just let me uh, let the people know where they could find you and your work. 
Yeah, you can look me up on Twitter at the real Herdlicka, H-R-D-L-I-C-K-A. And uh, my Patreon is my pinned tweet. Um, I think it's my pinned tweet. Jeez, I don't even know. Uh, but I do have a Patreon page. Um, got a lot of new subscribers, actually, this, this off season. It's been nice. Um, I'll have to ask everybody where they want to. I do donate uh, at least half of, of uh, the money that comes in. It's $2 a month. So I'll have to put out a message to all my Patreons and say, hey, where y'all want to donate next month's deal. So um, that's where you guys can find me. Absolutely. Yeah. Make sure I, I've subscribed to Matt's. Uh, Patreon page for quite some time. It's definitely a fresh perspective uh, from what I'm used to getting. That's not in a paywall, but Matt does some really good stuff. He always, um, you know, talks about some of the stuff that a lot, not a lot of us may bring up. You know, cap spikes, um, salary cap implications. I always like his little herd notes that he puts in in the middle of his articles. But uh, <laughs> no, y'all, y'all should be subscribing to his Patreon page. And again, like he said. A lot of it goes to a great cause um, as he donates a lot of his uh, money from his Patreon to charity. So make sure y'all are doing that. If anything, you're reading about Grizzlies basketball while donating for charity. Like what more could you ask? So thank you, Matt, for coming on TVB Live. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you're subscribing to the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Mega iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you get every single episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live, starting five podcasts, old episodes of 3ND, Core 4, and the Longview, and soon a new weekly podcast that will be joining us. We're excited about that. We also have other positions open for associate editor and senior staff writer. So if you want to apply, if you want to join the GBB staff, Shoot me an email uh, from now until uh, Thursday, July 14th at 8 p.m. Central Time. So, yeah, make sure you are checking out all of our work. Summer League is almost over, which means stuff's going to get quiet, but it's not going to get too quiet over here at Grizzly Bear Blues. We're going to keep up all the good content, so make sure you check us out at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. With that, that's it.